Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Kusan's Corner. It is I, the fabulous Cartanos. Why this fool of a man named this podcast after Kusan and not me? The very fabulous and magnificent Cartanos? I will have no idea, I assure you. There are times I just really love doing Cartanos' voice. I really do. Welcome back, my friends. I am Brad Rothwell, and today we are going to talk about barbarians on the path of the ancestral guardians. I may have to take pauses here and there because Foster Kitty Gus Gus is currently riding on my shoulder. Say hello, Gus. Thank you. Anywho, let's talk about the ancestral guardians. Some barbarians hail from cultures that revere their ancestors. These tribes teach that the warriors of the past linger in the world as mighty spirits who can guide and protect the living. When a barbarian who follows this path rages, the barbarian contacts the spirit world and calls on these guardian spirits for aid. That sounds pretty awesome, right? Gus agrees. So before we dive into the various features of the ancestral guardians, let's talk about what kind of character would choose the path of the ancestral guardian. Some of you may just like the features and go with that. Maybe RP isn't really your thing. Maybe you're just playing the game to womp things and use it as a cathartic release of you know, the frustrations of the week. If you are, more power to you. But for those interested in role-playing, your barbarian is coming from a culture that reveres their ancestors, their heritage. They have a very particular identity that is tied to the past. Elders of your tribe are going to be in positions of leadership because they've lived long enough to become elders. There's an old meme, I think this might have even actually existed before the word meme came around, of uh, an old adventurer. I think it was actually a pirate. It was something along the lines of a pirate or adventurer. But the tagline was, beware of an old person in a profession where people never live long. That's, for that reason, the elderly are to be revered. They lived a long life in a profession or in a place where people don't normally live long. And so that's why the Path of the Ancestral Guardian puts so much power in their past. These are people that lived and gave of themselves that you are calling on for aid now. If you weren't already aware, the Path of the Ancestral Guardian is in Xanathar's Guide to Everything, and we're going to be on page 10 looking at Ancestral Protectors. Starting when you choose this path at third level, spectral warriors appear when you enter your rage. While you're raging, the first creature you hit with an attack on your turn becomes the target of the warriors, which hinder its attacks. Until the start of your next turn, that target has disadvantage on any attack roll that isn't against you. And when the target hits a creature other than you with an attack, that creature has resistance to the damage dealt by the attack. The effect on the target ends early if your rage ends. So let's break that down. First off, it's the creature you first hit. So if you are a fifth level or higher and have extra attack, it's whoever you attack first after you enter into your rage. And then if that creature attacks anybody other than yourself, they're gonna have disadvantage on their attack. And the target of the affected creature's attack has resistance to the, the damage type being dealt. So they're gonna take less damage. So not only does the 
target that you have tagged with your ancestral guardians have disadvantage on the attack, even if they land the attack, it's not going to do as much damage as they had hoped. Starting at 6th level, you gain the Spirit Shield. The Guardian Spirits that aid you can provide supernatural protection to those you defend. If you are raging and another creature you can see within 30 feet of you takes damage, you can use your reaction to reduce the damage by 2d6. When you reach certain levels in this class, you can reduce the damage by more, by 3d6 at 10th level and by 4d6 at 14th level. This is a really good utility feature. So as long as one of your allies is within 30 feet of you, if they take damage, you can reduce it by 2d6. It might just be two points, or it could be 12 points, but, you know, it's worth it in most instances. So let's say one of your allies is going to take damage that's going to reduce them to zero hit points or below. You can, as a reaction, reduce that damage and hopefully keep them on their feet. Also keep in mind this is using your reaction. So if you do this and then the enemy walks away from you, you've got no attack of opportunity until that resets on your next round. At 10th level, you can consult the spirits. You gain the ability to consult with your ancestral spirits. When you do so, you cast the Augury or Clairvoyant spell without using a spell slot or material components. Rather than creating a spherical sensor, the use of Clairvoyance invisibly summons one of your ancestral spirits to the chosen location. Wisdom is your spellcasting ability for these spells. After you cast either spell in this way, you can't use this feature again until you finish a short or long rest. So let's take a look at those two spells and see why you would choose one over the other. Looking first at Augury, it's a second level divination spell. The casting time is one minute. And unlike the Totem Barbarian, you don't have to cast this as a ritual. You're simply casting it, but it is a one minute cast time. It does have verbal, semantic, and material components, but as we noted in the description, you don't have to have the material components. The description reads, by casting gem inlaid sticks, rolling dragon bones, laying out ornate cards, or employing some other divination tool, you receive an omen from an otherworldly entity about the results of a specific course of action that you plan to take within the next 30 minutes. The DM chooses from the following possible omens. Wheel, that's W-E-A-L, for good results, woe for bad results, wheel and woe for both good and bad results, nothing for results that aren't especially good or bad. The spell doesn't take into account any possible circumstances that might change the outcome, such as the casting of additional spells or the loss or gain of a companion. If you cast the spell two or more times before completing the next long rest, there's a cumulative 25% chance for each casting. After the first, you get a random reading. The DM makes this roll in secret. Oh, you don't think that's fair? Well, tough luck, kid. That's D&D. &D. So that's the augury spell. And so you're getting kind of a reading. Um, how the DM portrays this could be, and I'm just saying this is one possibility, your DM is free to do how they see fit, is your ancestor appears and listens to your question. And let's say you're a... Uh, Goliath barbarian, like Grog Strongjaw. One of your ancestors approaches you in their spectral form, fading in and out of reality, and you ask, will we be successful in confronting the mad mage of the high tower? And it could depend on a number of factors, and so the spirit entity just shrugs 
indifferent towards your question. And that's it. That's all you get. But maybe you're about to enter the fray. You've set up some traps. You've um, prepared specific spells that you know are going to be really powerful against the Mad Mage. And you ask the question right before breaking down the door and entering their inner sanctum. And you ask the question to your spirit guardian, will we be successful against the Mad Mage? And your DM knowing that you're being you're set up pretty good and you've done a lot of preparation and chances are good you're going to take this big bad evil guy that they spent so long preparing down in a matter of moments and instead of just shrugging indifferently the spirit of your ancestor smiles broadly and unlimbers their broad axe as if preparing to join you in what is sure to be glorious combat there are a lot of fun ways to interpret the augury spell not just for you, but for your dungeon master as well. Now let's look at Clairvoyance and see why you might want to cast this instead. Clairvoyance is a third level divination. The casting time is 10 minutes. The range is one mile. It does have verbal, somatic, and material components, but once again, you ignore the material components. And the duration is concentration up to 10 minutes. Already we've got some differences here. It has a range and it also has a duration. So you create an invisible sensor, which would be replaced by your ancestral spirit, within range in a location familiar to you, a place you have visited or seen before, or in an obvious location that is unfamiliar to you, such as behind a door, around a corner, or in a grove of trees. The sensor remains in place for the duration and it can't be attacked or otherwise interacted with. When you cast the spell, you choose seeing or hearing. You can use the chosen sense through the sensor as if you were in its space. As your action, you can switch between seeing and hearing. A creature that can see the sensor, such as a creature benefiting from sea invisibility or true sight, sees a luminous, intangible orb about the size of your fist. Now, for the barbarian using this, it wouldn't be an orb, it would be the visage of one of your ancestors instead. Which could be helpful actually it could pull people away from you as they try to investigate this thing clairvoyance is also helpful for seeing places that you've already been maybe you're traveling back home and you got a notice that all is not well in the land of denmark and before returning to your keep castle hovel inn wherever you're going if you have an idea that there could be a trap waiting for you and you're familiar with the area, you can cast clairvoyance on it and you'll see what's inside, helping prepare you for any sort of ambush that's lying in wait. There are a lot of different opportunities to use clairvoyance and the more creative you are in my game, the more I'm gonna reward you. Uh, returning to the subclasses feature, at 14th level, you gain vengeful ancestors. Your ancestral spirits grow powerful enough to retaliate. When you use your spirit shield to reduce damage of an attack, the attacker takes an amount of force damage equal to the damage that your spirit shield prevents. You don't have to do anything extra. This is just essentially a bonus feature to spirit shield. So while you're in combat, if you use spirit shield and you're now at 14th level, which means you're gonna be reducing it by 4d6. And let's say the spirits are with you and you roll all sixes. That's 24 points of damage you reduce to an ally and you deal that as force damage back to the attacker. Hopefully they're not immune to force damage. 
And there you have it, my friends. That is the path of the ancestral guardians. I hope this is helpful to you and you get a better sense of not only how to play the class, but also some fun RP potential you have with it. Until we meet again, may the ancestors guide you.